0: At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. Investment returns are not guaranteed, and past performance does not guarantee future results. And welcome to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara. I am alongside Julie Shields Routina from MIFA. Hopefully via Zoom. Julie, can you hear me? I can, yes. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Great to see you again. Same. Nice I to think, be here. I <laughs> want to say this is our is this our third year in a row. I don't even I don't know if we took a COVID year off, but I know we've we've done this a bunch of years in a row, and it's been great every time since. So I'm looking forward to it. Me too. All right. All right. Let me let's jump right in. So you work for MIFA. I think we should start with an introduction on who MIFA is. I'm sure that I would say that probably most of us here in the Massachusetts area have heard of MIFA. But why don't we start with with a little bio of me, of yourself? How about and then and then also, you know, who MIFA is and what they do? Sure.
1: Yeah. So MIFA is the Massachusetts Educational Financing Authority. But we really just go by MIFA. That's a lot easier. (laughs) It's a Yeah, yeah. And MIFA has actually been around for 40 years. So we were started in 1982 by the state. We're a quasi-state authority. Okay. And our mission is really to help families plan, save, and pay for college. And what that means is we have, currently we have the state's two college savings programs, the UFund 529 plan and the plan. Okay prepaid tuition plan. We also have another savings plan, which is called Attainable. That's one of the ABLE programs to allow people with disabilities to save for even a wider range of expenses. Okay, great. Yeah. And then we have low-cost loans for families that need that type of financing. If financial aid and other resources aren't enough, then many times people need a private loan to pay for college. And so MIFA has low-cost loans for families so that's another way we're able to help and then other than that everything else we do and what my team at me for really focuses on is we just give free guidance to families whether they have a baby and are thinking about (laughs) how do i start on this or through middle school what can be helpful for for students to be learning at that stage toward their futures and then to high school and when they're applying for college and applying for financial aid and paying for college. So we really have a lot of free guidance. And in so many, I guess it's a we have a website. We have a podcast. We have an email curriculum. We have lots of webinars. And now we're actually back in the community. We took a couple of years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's so, yeah, a great organization for to just to be able to help families and direct them toward toward all of the planning, saving, and paying for college. And my background is, so I have been doing this work. I'm almost as old as MIFA. <laughs> No, I've been doing this work for over 30 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really? And I started out at, working in a financial aid office at a college. Okay. And then became a director of financial aid. And then over the many years, I have worked for some loan organizations. I've also I worked for the college board. But then came to MIFA 18 years ago. So I've been at MIFA since. And I really, yeah, And I'm, my title is Director of College Planning, Education, and Training. So really, our team does all of that outri- uh, outreach, all of that guidance for families. Okay,
0: terrific. Thank you for that. All right, yeah I think I know I have an outline here that we've used actually a couple of years in a row, and so I'm just gonna I'll, I'm gonna head down here. Is there anything that you wanted to start the show with? I know you know if there's something that's a current event that you think people are dying to hear about, I know we've had some some loan repayment stuff, but I don't know if you want to touch on that or if there's anything else that's topical that we should just really get into and people are dying to hear about
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess overarching everything we do, I just having worked in this field for so long. The whole idea of paying for college just is very overwhelming for people. Everyone's overwhelmed. And it it doesn't matter if someone is very low income or even fairly high income. The idea of the cost of college and how they're going to do that and if they have multiple children... So I guess overarching the place that I, I what I would say is that like anything in life, if you take it in small bites, start out slowly, continue to educate yourself over many years, take all these little steps, anything is a lot easier doing it that way. And that's why maybe one of the places we can dive in is with the savings piece, because that that's yeah. be done earlier. But doing that is super helpful and will be A good idea. It's just you have to get around that that feeling of oh that's so overwhelming. I'm going to put it
0: off, (laughs) which is
1: what people tend to do. Yeah,
0: and and of course, obviously, we deal with that fairly often in our clients. We'll meet a new client, and they may have kids who are 10 years old, and I'll hear a familiar refrain, and it will be, "Let's," he'll see your list of accounts, Mr. Client, and there aren't any 529 plans or any college savings plans, and I'll hear the familiar, "It's just too expensive, and there's no way I could pay for college anyways." Which, which you know. (laughs) In fairness to a lot of folks, when you hear about how much it costs to go to college, there are a lot of folks who cannot save for eighty thousand dollars a year times times four. Right? And that's a, that. Those numbers are so spectacularly large now that it, does, it certainly impacts your psychology of I'm never going to get there. So what's the point of even doing anything? But yeah, I agree, and we we follow that as well. It's like if you, even if you hundred dollars a month, hundred fifty dollars a month to set aside. Absolutely. You should, you should at least do something because doing nothing, you'll even if you end up saving $25,000 for college, that's $25,000 less that you'll have to pay at the time. So I certainly understand that and, and echo your advice. Yeah, I guess let's get into a little bit on college costs. I know I'm sure it's not what you do, but I assume you have some good familiarity with how much how much college costs. And are you familiar with, hey, there's a private school education, There's and there's public school, then you have community colleges, and then in, put into it inflation, which has been a hot topic more in other parts of the economy than I feel like 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 I was spending my whole career talking about college inflation, but not really (laughs) actual inflation on other goods and services. But now that's switched around a bit. So let's start there. Do you have any do you have ballparks on what it costs for I'm going to send my kid to a public to a private school? How much is that going to cost me?
1: Yes. It's funny when we look at the national averages, private four-year colleges, I think the national average is maybe in the 50s. But yeah. we know that here in Massachusetts yeah. and yeah. in New England, those costs are really some of the highest in the country. So we have numerous colleges in this area that cost upwards of 70000 Yeah, whereas public institutions usually are more in that thirty. Thirty to $40,000 range, and a little less. And then, of course, there are community colleges, which are super reasonable. And states have put so many programs in to, here in Massachusetts, we have mass transfer, where if someone starts at a community college, they can then transfer to the four-year public. And there are all kinds of incentives of tuition credits and tuition freezes and automatic admission in certain instances. So th- those can be very Reasonable. But I guess the point about the expensive colleges is that sticker price, if you will, is not always what people pay. That's something to know early on that most families receive some type of quote unquote financial aid to meet that. And some of those highest priced colleges have some of the most financial aid, grants, and scholarships to offer. So yeah. so that's one thing to know that, that there are lots of options and choices and that families are usually paying for college in a variety of ways. And one of those is receiving some type of financial aid, whether it be grants and scholarships, work programs, student loans, things like that.
0: Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I came into the business in the year 2002 and I think I forget how much, I forget how much Providence, my, I wasn't paying my Providence college tuition bill, so I don't exactly know how much it was, but we, but there was serious, there had been serious education inflation for a long time. I think it, it still seems like there is, right? Or there's people just assume that college goes up by five or 6% every year. And I think the reality is that what people are paying for college actually has leveled off. I don't know if it's over the last five years or 10 years, but I think the reality on education inflation is for, most people, it's actually stay, staying with inflation. However, because it the premium, and this is, I'm speculating here, so I'm assuming, I, I think I have this right. It's just me piecing it all together. The premium schools, I think they want a high sticker price, right? You, that, it makes you look great to say, oh, it costs $90,000 a year to go here. But the reality is that most people don't pay that $90,000 that when you average it all out, the costs, even though those high-end sticker prices seem like they're continuing to go up like crazy the reality is that most people again as you said aren't paying them but it's just i think it contributes to the oh it's impossible to pay for college because even if i'm saving the price of, of the price of the education is hey it's still going up so fast it doesn't even matter i want to i'd like to try to hammer that home whenever i can is that even though you see bu charging i don't know what it, i think it's near 80 or something like that it's like, that's one that just sticks in my mind that's not necessarily what everyone's paying. And it certainly doesn't represent the college marketplace as a whole.
1: Absolutely. So right on, on so many of those accounts, yes. And in fact, there are these calculators, they're called net price calculators that every college has on their website. And so if you just go to a college website and type in net price calculator, you can use the calculator just to get a very rough estimate given your financial situation, maybe if depending on the age of your student, if you know their academic credentials get an estimate of what you might be able to receive in financial aid at that institution. They're not perfect, and some are better than others, but it's just helpful so that you're not only looking at that sticker price, but you have an idea of the financial aid, the help that your family might be able to receive.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. and I know we're going to get into sort of the different college savings vehicles. I suppose, should we handle the kind of I don't know. Should we dip into the financial aid universe first? And I know that it's we I think you sent me this. It's how saving for college doesn't mean no financial aid. Is that I think that's probably one that that's another one that I hear very often. And it's maybe sometimes people hearing what they want to hear. Or if I save for college, if I have all this money saved for college, I won't get financial aid. I think that's a very common sort of thought that I have that I hear. So let's jump into that, at least before we get into some of the details of financial aid later on in the show.
1: Yes, that's exactly. We just laugh about it at MIFA and we have it all over our <laughs> slides and our presentations about the biggest myth because we're always helping people apply for financial aid and then telling them other people definitely save. And so people think this is a direct correlation. If I save, I won't get financial aid. And it is a big myth. Yes, the, your savings, and, I, and this is a point I love to hammer home to, will be a help to you when it comes time to pay for college. And A couple of the reasons are, first, that your savings are treated much more leniently in the financial aid process, and we can get into that. When you apply for financial aid, there's a formula, and savings, family savings, parent savings specifically, are treated at a rate of a maximum of 5.6%. So we'll explain this a little bit later, but the point being, if you have $100,000 of savings, What that means practically is that colleges will expect that you will pay about five thousand six hundred more per year than the person without one hundred thousand dollars of savings. And so that's pretty reasonable. And I think you would say this, too. Justin is, I guess I'd rather be the person with $100,000 of savings, possibly (laughs) receiving a tiny bit less financial aid. And that really is a possibly than not having it because how how else are you going to pay? So yeah, if we can break that myth and let people know that they do not have to save at all, most people don't, but that every bit you save is going to be a help to you when it comes to that paying for college. And it's it's barely going to hurt you in the financial aid.
0: Yeah. And again, it's, yeah, to be clear, just to go over your numbers again, right? If you have a hundred thousand dollars, it's not, the school doesn't expect you to, they don't say, all right, they're going to spend that hundred grand before we talk about their financial aid package, right? Which it seems, exactly. it would, it, it actually seems rational. That was the case, but it's very much not the case. Expecting some, ex, the expected contribution being just 5.6%. Again, I know we're talking about so like a parental asset, right? Or a, or a 529 plan, right? So even though it's a dedicated, College savings vehicle. The expectation in the calculation is that you only, I'll put air quotes, only need to are expected to use five point six percent of it. So fifty six hundred dollars, which is I would say very reasonable and 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 maybe not, uh, it's maybe not what pe- what someone would assume. You would just the assumption would be, oh, I have I've saved one hundred fifty thousand dollars for college. I'm not going to get any financial aid until I after all I spend it. But that's not how it works. Yes. Exactly. So I know we will cut. Co- maybe I think maybe we could just go through a uh, maybe we could just go briefly over some options. I know I want to dig in, in in detail into each account and go through all the college savings vehicles, but let's briefly touch on them. I know we can start with 529 plans because obviously MIFA runs our two state plan. Well, I guess there's three. I didn't even know there was about the ABLE plan. That's, um, which is good information for me. Thank you very much. But yeah, why don't you just briefly go over five twenty nine plans versus saving in the kids' name is all of the college savings options and then we can dig into detail maybe in 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 our next our next session.
1: Yes. I know I used to say any any savings is great, which yeah. can be true. But yeah, over over time I've really seen that there are preferred preferred ways because of the benefits. So I yes, the five twenty nine plans are, are great. College savings option in that you open the account for very little money. And in fact, I'll just mention here in Massachusetts, through the state treasurer's office and MIFA, there's something called the Baby Steps Program, where any baby born or adopted in Massachusetts can get $50 just outright to open a 529 U fund. All right. Yeah. So they, they can just, if they open it, the key is within the first year of the baby's birth or the adoption. So that's just a nice way to get people to say, I'm going to do this early, which is helpful. (laughs) And then you have an account
0: there ready, ready for future savings. Yep.
1: Exactly. Yes. So you open a 529 plan and the U fund with MIFA Fidelity is the program manager, so you can just go to the Fidelity website slash UFund, open an account, and it's pretty easy to open. The biggest choice you have to make is how you want to invest the money, and Fidelity has lots of choices from very conservative to regular market-based portfolios, and they can help you choose an investment that's good for you. And, or I guess, Justin, you can, you of course can give your clients information about what works within their larger picture. And then, then the account is opened and then a family can either set up automatic withdrawal and have a little bit going in every month, which is always a good idea. And that people tend to say more that way, or just Have the account open and once in a while when there's a little extra money, maybe when a child goes from daycare to kindergarten or you get a raise or any number of reasons why you might have extra money, just put a little extra money in there. And the key is the account grows tax free. There's no you're not paying tax on any of the earnings. And then when it comes time to take the money out, as long as you use it for a qualified expense, which is tuition fees, room and board, books, supplies, equipment, like and now added.
0: Like laptops, I think, too, right? Yeah, like laptops. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And now lately we've even added K through 12 expenses up to $10,000 and apprenticeship programs and a one-time student loan repayment at $10,000. So it's really the qualified expenses have are really, they continue to expand so then there are no taxes ever assessed on the earnings on that account. And, and- what you mentioned about just having the account open, I think is so key because the other thing you can do is you can invite others to help you save grandparents <laughs> yeah. or aunts and uncles and friends. So that can be nice to just at a at birthday time or something to say instead of another big red plastic toilet money into the college savings account. Yeah. So just having it open, it can be a real help.
0: Yeah, I think we were, I always got the question and historically have, about what's a qualified education expense? expense. And it, it's a big broad list, right? And There's, yes. I don't think you can, it doesn't include Include like furniture to furnish the their off-campus apartment, right? But mm. other than that, the list of requirements. Because if you think about college and what you need for learning, it's a pretty big list of things you need. And there's there's fees and there's books and there's technology. I think is a big one where it's oh, I have to shell out two that grand for this laptop. Can I use my five twenty nine for that? And I think almost all. I don't want to generalize, but I, my my guess is that just about every college requires technology like that, and so I, it, that is a qualified expense. Yeah, don't overuse it. But again, for most, it's not, a, it's not a conversation that I have all that often about, hey, you have so much money in your 529 plan. But actually, we are up on the break here. We will be right back.
1: Did you know that there are almost 10,000 mutual funds out there? Not to mention almost 2,000 ETFs. And what's an ETF? Given these overwhelming numbers, how do you go about selecting what's appropriate? Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. If you're ready to let a professional worry about your investments, visit us at McNamaraFinancial.com.
0: And we are back. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara. I am alongside Julie Shields Routina from MIFA today, and we are talking college savings. Julie, you're still with us. I am, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to ask that. In, in the pre-technology age when we were actually in a studio together, but no, I just, I always, I'm always double checking. Some people hit that mute button by accident. Anyway, so let's jump back into 529s. I know it's a very, the whole 529 area is pretty deep, so I want to make sure we spend time on it because it's, I'm, my guess is, and again, just anecdotal, my, my guess is that the vast majority of people who are saving for college are saving in a 529. I know there are other options, but certainly I think it's, it the numbers must bear out that it it's the most popular way to do so. I want to make sure we we really cover it because I know there are there are different five twenty nine options both in the way that you save right with are you in the invest are you investing it in in stocks bonds cash and in prepaid plans. I do want to make sure we cover all of that for the listeners. So let me. I think we had just finished up. Let, yeah, let's talk about the taxability just briefly. I know you mentioned that the tax part the five twenty nine is valuable because you put money in now you're putting after tax money in most cases right so we'll talk a bit about that but let's just say you you have ten thousand dollars you put it into an investment account and it grows to whatever you know whatever the number is let's say it's twenty thousand dollars if you take the money out and use it for qualified education expenses which we touched on briefly last session you do not pay taxes on that which is very much not it's it's not really anything else Other than maybe a Roth IRA in the investment world, right? Because even in your 401k, if you're taking a tax deduction, you pay taxes on the other end. If you just save in your own name, if you invested $10,000 in Apple stock and then you sold it when it was worth 20, you're paying a capital gain if that's just an individual account or a joint account. So this is tax free. If used appropriately, and there are also some tax advantages, right? So the states and other and oh, yes. have have put in some tax advantages for actually making the contribution. So I'll let you handle that for Massachusetts. It's not a it's not a substantial benefit, but it's something, right? And every, and every bit counts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yes, and you're so right. In addition to that, federal just no no taxes if you use it for qualified expenses then also you're right on the front end meet massachusetts has that state tax deduction where a married couple can deduct $2000 for for the money they put in the 529 plan and a single person can deduct $1000 so that is on the front end a state deduction and many states have those and yep. so that's another thing to know that anyone can borrow in any i can save in any 529 plan. So it's nice. It's good to 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 look at all of them. But being able to get that state tax deduction on the front end is nice if you're a resident of Massachusetts.
0: Yeah. And just so just to be clear, it's a I believe that's it's not a per student deduction, correct? It's per like tax Per tax return, essentially, yeah. So if you are if you're a married couple and you have two kids and you save a total of two thousand dollars into your five twenty nine, I believe it's the Massachusetts five twenty nine only. That's my understanding. Yeah. All right, so you will get it more on that later, but you'll get a tax deduction of it's a, essentially a hundred dollar per year benefit, right? Because this the Mass state income tax rate is five percent, and so five percent of two thousand dollars. Is, uh, is $100 a year. And again, just to be clear, and there are other states, right? So if you're listening, I know I'm sure, I know we reached New Hampshire. So apologies for not knowing, although they don't have a state tax, a state income tax. There's probably, I don't know what their program is, and or, nor do I know who manages it. But there are a lot of states do have tax benefits for contribution. And that's a state by state thing, right? I know there are states that they'll give tax deductions to put money in your own state plan, which is what Massachusetts does. And there are other states that will offer you a deduction to to save in any state's plan. Like the 529 world is very, I don't know that every state has a 529, but I know that every state can set up a 529 plan. And so it's a weird, it's a weird market where you can say, Oh, I live in Massachusetts and I can use the fidelity plan and I'll get a tax deduction of up to a hundred dollars for a married filing joint couple if I use that one, but I can also use the Virginia plan, and so you can go shop the world of five twenty nines. And it's not if you live in this state, you don't have to use the Massachusetts five twenty nine plan. Is that? Do you have anything to add on to that?
1: No, you're absolutely right, and it's funny. And I don't. I guess I don't want to name states, so I'll just say there's only one state that doesn't have a five twenty nine plan.
0: Oh, um, so <laughs> you don't want to call them so out. most? So most it, you're, you're, you're correct. So nice of you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. And I would say they, they very much vary in quality, right? If you go through the state's 529s, right? We we For the longest time, we, we've we always used the Virginia plan it's as a recommendation to clients because most of our clients are in Massachusetts and therefore most of our previ- prior to the changeover, which what was it like maybe five-ish years ago? I don't know when Massachusetts started offering a deduction. So we had used the Virginia plan, which is Fairly cost effective, right? If you really dig into that universe, not all those plans are created equal. If you're if you have relatives in X Y Z state, and you're having this discussion, make sure that you're shopping around because there can be some. There are some plans that I like raise my eyebrows at and say I can't believe anyone's using that plan because that's really pricey. And so just be careful with where you are. I would say that I think the Massachusetts plan is well regarded. Obviously, you do get the deduction, but if it was a lousy plan. Otherwise, if you had a high internal cost structure, it may not even be worth $100. And that's certainly something that you could price out and say, hey, oh, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna save $100 by putting this money in. But if the internal cost structure was so high that I'm still better off somewhere else, that's the kind of math that you can do relatively easily or with an advisor. But yeah, I would say that it, the mass plan certainly gets my approval as a financial planner. Yeah. Good <laughs> on you. All right. Let's do... Yeah, let's take now to go through the different kinds of 529s. I think probably we start with the U. I don't know if you want to start with the U fund or the U plan, but why don't we just, you can pick one of those and we'll go through it because there are obviously substantial differences between the two.
1: Yeah. The U fund is the 529 works as I described it, of of people saving all the way along, having that, those tax benefits and what what we didn't mention is then when it comes time to using those funds any accredited institution and really any institution that receives has a federal school code it's a wide yeah. number of institutions across the country and even internationally where families can use those funds and they have total flexibility about when and how to use them and again many places so lots and lots of Flexibility with with that five twenty nine plan.
0: Uh, just to, oh, yeah. you're talking about types of educational institutions, right? So it's not not just in our heads because it's it's been drummed into them for so long. Oh, college is you go there for four years, right? It's that kind of an institution, and so when folks like us talk about oh, you can use it to pay for college, you yes. get the oh, what if I go to I don't know I pick a pick a school that's back to a vocation, right? And that doesn't count as college in a lot of people's heads, or at least it doesn't doesn't link together. But I believe that's not the case. It's I think it's most educational programs probably qualify, although maybe you can give us, do you have a few examples maybe?
1: No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yes, like I'm thinking of, I, I had a couple of those institutions. Yeah, definitely technical vocational uh, yeah. education can qualify as well. And that is surprising to people. I guess the important thing being that even though it's the Massachusetts 529 plan, you can use it in any state. And again, some of these international institutions that just happen to have a a federal school code and it's a pretty long list. Yeah. So that, that is flexible. And I shared that piece because then when we start talking about the prepaid plan there, there's a little difference in in how you use it. But I guess another important thing just to know about 529 plans, let's say you save in a 529 plan and You save for your student and then your student decides, I'm not going to any of those colleges. I'm going to just get put put my backpack on and go somewhere or do whatever. That sounds great. Um, So I think people worry about that sometimes. But I guess what I would say is there are lots of choices. You can take the money and transfer it to relative of that initial beneficiary, a sibling, cousin, yourself, and that then can be used in, for qualified expenses. So that's one thing. You could just hold on to it, let it sit there because there's no expiration time. So that yeah. that backpacking kid might turn around 2 years <laughs> and want to go to college. But let's say you just say, "Nope, I'm just going to I'm just going to take the money out and not use it for qualified expenses." Yep. Then what happens is you will end up paying regular income tax on any earnings on that account and a 10% penalty on any earnings. So just to give people a sense of what if I don't use it that way, that's how, that's what would happen if you decided to take it out and use it for something else.
0: Yeah. And I I would circle back to the discussion we had about how saving for college is almost always a good idea. I would tell you that there there are no real circumstances in the 529 world where you would end up financially regretting saving for college, right? Let's just say the path that you have one kid and the path that they decide on does not include any type, which is, again, pretty rare, right? Any type of educational costs anywhere in their life. Even then, because the time horizons on these things can be so long, that yes, you'll end up paying taxes on the earnings. I put this $10,000 in for my kid when he was five and here he is, he's 25 now and he's not gonna be using this money because this is like the path that he's chosen. (laughs) Even if you do take that out, time that it's allowed to grow really makes it, it's actually not that bad of an idea, right? Because the way the math works on, just on on compounding interest, yeah, at the end, you have to pay taxes on, your 10,000 turned into 30,000 and now I have to pay taxes on 20,000 plus a 10% penalty but the alternative would have been you would have invested it somewhere else and you would have been paying taxes all along, all along right and if you're you wouldn't compare this to a to a retirement plan because that's that's specifically designed for retirement it would be some other type of investment and so this alternative is it, it may not be better but it's not the tax penalty isn't so onerous that you that a financial advisor like me would just say, "Oh man, what a disaster that was!" It doesn't work that way. You're still probably okay. Yeah, you'll have a you'll have a tax bill, but because it's been allowed to grow tax deferred for so long that the math works out that it's that's all right. Again, it's not maybe not great if, if you only do it for a couple of years, but in this case, because there's they're pretty open ended as far as the time goes. I don't think is it true that the plans are essentially mostly open ended now. Do they have end dates?
1: They don't. At least the Massachusetts yeah. one does not. Yeah. But I, I don't believe any do. Yes. Right.
0: Yeah. Potentially 20 or, or 30 years of compounding without any t- ongoing taxes is a pretty good deal. And at that point, it's certainly not the end of the world to pay some extra taxes on it because you haven't because you skipped out on the last 20, 30 years anyways, which is tough to get elsewhere.
1: I'm so glad. And I'm so glad to hear your thoughts on that, because, yes, yeah. I feel like it's a good idea no matter what, just with your financial expertise on that as well. Yeah, that is that's so true. All right. Then there's the other type of 529 are the prepaid plans. And there are fewer of those these days, but some states have them. But let me share how the U-Plan works in Massachusetts, because the U-Plan is a little bit unique. And so the way the one in Massachusetts works is we have approximately 70 colleges who are part of the U-Plan, public and private. It's a long list, but you're in Massachusetts. And basically, someone decides if they have some money to purchase a tuition certificate at a value, say, when your child is three or something. Yeah. And then you're basically locking in the tuition, current tuition rate at all those 70 colleges here in Massachusetts so that your money is worth the same percentage as it is when you put it in in 16, 17 Years when yeah. your student goes to school. So the easy, the example I use, and my numbers are all off, but I just say it <laughs> to be simple. Let's say the tuition and fees, and I'll be clear, this is only tuition and fees for this U Plan yeah. program. Say the tuition and fees at UMass Amherst are t- today are ten thousand dollars, and let's say you come upon five thousand dollars. Your child is three, and you put that five thousand dollars in. Basically, you're locking in fifty percent of the tuition and fees at UMass Amherst. So, let's say when your child's about to go to college, the tuition and fees is twenty. Then your five will be ten at that point because it's fifty percent of the then current tuition. Okay. And you don't have to choose a college up front. It's just that those of those seventy colleges, you're purchasing now. You're purchasing a different percent. Your five thousand dollars at in that example would be 50%. But let's say there's another college on the list, a private that's 20, your 5000 is only a 25%. But you just receive a list every year of here's how much percentage wise that your money is worth at all these colleges. And then when it comes time to choosing a college, if it's one of those colleges, you're you're going to have your percentage covered and locked in.
0: Yeah. So that's
1: Unique. And if it, let's say your student, personally, I have two children and one went to college in New Hampshire and one is in (laughs) Pennsylvania. So I didn't get to benefit from that really nice lock in, but I was able to still take my money out, which had grown at a rate of CPI over the time I had saved it. Okay. I was able to then use it to pay my kids' college bills. So it's still as you talked about earlier, it still, it still worked out that I was able to use it for college and I had saved it, but I didn't get the benefit of that great lock-in.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, we should talk a bit more about that, but yeah, just to this, the the U plan, right? So obviously the negatives are if I don't want, I'm sure the conversation that you would have as a young, with a young family is I don't want to make them go to a college they don't want to go to, which I think is probably why it's not as popular as the 529 plan, but it should be pointed out that the as far as a conservative investment strategy, again, if, there, if you're comfortable limiting the list of which your kid can go to, or not that can go to, that can go to with kind of the benefits of the pre-purchased tuition plan, it's a fairly conservative investment strategy, right? I don't know if you've heard of I-bonds, but they're all the rage now, right? Because inflation is up and the government offers these as sort of a savings account where they index the interest rate to inflation. And it's almost the same thing, right? You're just, I'm prepaying this and my return, it's going to be guaranteed, Right, because we'll assume this pro- assume this program is is still in, in force, and I'm not going to have to worry about the education inflation piece of it. Right, so I don't have to look at my account go up and down in value. If you thought your if you thought looking at your 401k fluctuate was stressful, I try it with a 529 plan. I want to talk yes. a bit more about the investments in a bit here too. But it is it's a fairly easy way to just not worry about the volatility piece and the inflation piece because even if you we're okay with investment volatility, right? There's nothing that says that your investment rate of return has to even keep up with education inflation. Someone like me would probably say that it's fairly likely that it would, but once you enter the world of stocks and bonds and other investments, you don't get any guarantees that come along with those. You have a historical record that we hope, that we assume and hope will continue, but certainly it's not it's not set in stone and there's nothing to say that you might have college come and the markets are lousy. You don't end up doing all that well. There are definitely no guarantees, but with the you plan, you lock all that in and don't have to worry about it. So for some folks, I can certainly see how it would be an attractive option for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that one point, I, I guess I'm, as a parent was of the mindset, I let my students choose where they wanted to go and was fortunate enough to be able to do that but I do talk to a lot of families who will say hey if I have this I, there are lots of good schools here in Massachusetts <laughs> that's where they're going so it's true it's a really personal family right. decision on some of
0: those things <laughs> yeah yeah and hey they keep you keep them close right? yeah. you don't want your kid going to school in California yeah, right. far away. yeah I yeah I would just like to circle back and compare yeah. and contrast the two options right because the when you're talking about the average 529 you are invested in the markets. Now, the 529 universe is, I would say it's, I don't know if it's it's not federally run, the states make these decisions, but maybe you can speak to it a little bit. And I don't know if it'll be speculation, but the list of investment options is, tends to be very, is very limited as compared to your brokerage account, right? If you go over to Schwab and open up a a brokerage account, you can invest in literally almost anything. Whereas when you choose Estates 529, there is going to be a limited set of investments, and those are and they're fairly limited, as in they're pretty plain vanilla. A lot of times, I think some of them even age-based portfolios. So, can you speak a bit to the investment options? Maybe if it's maybe you're only familiar with the mass plan, but just generically, it's a different universe. Than then someone's, it looks more like a 401k with some even tighter controls than it does your IRA at Fidelity.
1: Yeah, and first I'll just be clear because I am not an investment advisor, so that's not my expertise. Okay, yeah. So I'll just talk about how 529 plans in general are structured, and your everything you're saying is exactly right. So I think with your investment expertise, between the two of us, this yeah. <laughs> this could be a lot to share. <laughs> with others. So that's good. So yeah, I'll just say you're exactly right that most 529 plans have choices and that can vary from plan to plan. Yeah, And they usually do give nice options as far as conservative to more risky. The nice thing is always having that, that financial expertise and whether it's you or someone in the Plan That can walk families through, ask questions to help them make that choice. And yeah, one of the popular types of, of investments that a lot of 529 plans choose are some these age based or like maybe even time based. So you know how that works, where when the child is young. Then the investments have a bit more volatility to them because there's some time there. And then the portfolio automatically gets more conservative as the student gets closer to college so that when the student is a sophomore in high school, there wouldn't be this huge drop, hopefully, given those investments. (laughs) Yeah. And then I will turn it to you because then you can explain some of the other nuances there for people.
0: Yeah, I think it's the sense that I get. And obviously, this is made on on a state by state. It's regulators and people, people like, I don't know, maybe it's your bosses who are making these decisions. But it seems like taken away choice. And I know that it may just be that the psychology of college investing is such that it seems like even worse when it's your kid's college fund. Right. I mean, it's we definitely have we'll have. Meetings with clients, and uh, there are all those accounts are right on the same page. Right here's your IRA and your Roth IRA, and then all of a sudden we have kid kid college accounts. There's certainly more worry about it because I guess we, I'm sure we, all of us parents probably worry more about our kids than ourselves, and so it seems like they've taken step. And it's not that you can't find five twenty nines if you're a particularly aggressive person you can find some something out there that says all right hey, I'm gonna I want to be aggressive here and I'm gonna build my own investment portfolio and I'm not gonna I don't care if my kid is 10 right now I'm not gonna have half the money in bonds I'm gonna try to be aggressive for it it's it can be done it's very much sort of like they make it difficult I know that the, I've been through the fidelity the Fidelity's website helping clients. Get signed. We advisors can't work with the Fidelity plan, but we certainly know advise folks who have that plan. And it's like they make it hard to do anything but be in an age based adjusting risk profile. And I think it's just because they don't want people. It's I don't know. It's I don't necessarily disagree with it, but you do get into a very different universe, and it's it's a little bit more locked down. That end, you can only make a few changes a year in a five twenty nine plan, or unless they. I think it's yeah. I think it's two. I know it's been. Yeah, it's been talked about making changes to that as well, but you can only change your strategy a couple of times a year. I think that's another trying to have exercise some control. and Don't manage this like your stock account. Try not to be jumping in and out of the market. And I, I don't necessarily, it seems like a little bit of a an impingement on freedom that I'm necessarily disagreeing with it, but that's just what the universe looks like. All right. I think we have just a couple of minutes before the break here. Let me see if there's anything else I wanted to cover on 529. Yeah. And just to be clear, I should also say most of the 529 plans that are in age-based, they end up very conservative. And if you were just doing an apples to apples with a, a retirement 2020, you know, your retirement 2025 portfolio and your college 2025 portfolio right if they had the same end date you get a vastly different portfolio for the college for the college 2025 because it again college money goes so quickly that the ending of all those age bases very conservative which at a time like this is definitely a good thing where even pretty much anything but cash has been has had a lousy 2022 here so they do end up very conservative which again i think is by design and probably appropriate right if you've averaged every most people would say i'd like to be more conservative with my investments in my 529 and then and maybe to my sort of comparable IRA account. Yeah. All right, I think uh, I think we're just about up on a break here. My name is Justin McNamara alongside Julie Shields, Routina of MIFA. We're talking about college financing. If you have any questions, you can shoot us an email and we'll forward along. Our email address is questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com. Again, that's questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com. And we will be right back.